The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. Now, my next guest is going to be doing a live show coming up in the National Concert Hall. He has been uh, made his way from making guitar demos up to control, to composing soundtracks for TV and film. And you know you've made it when you're able to drop your second name. Cormac, how are you? You're like Cher or Bono. <laughs> Good morning. Someone stuck that on a flyer about 15 years ago and it's kind of stuck with me slash haunted me ever since. So, Is it is it your first name? My or first did you go, name. Oh, you're not a total Bono. You didn't. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Cormac O'Halloran is my full name. So, yeah. Oh, don't give away the second uh, one. You have, you have to abandon it no. to go with the brand. <laughs> so good. tell us about the route to doing um, soundtracks because I, I maybe I'm wrong in this, but mm. I always think that musicians don't start out going, I'd love to write for film. I always think they get tapped up to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, nowadays, increasingly, people, you know, um, identify it as a career, you know, so out of school, go into college, and, you know, you can do you can do a master's in it and whatever, but... In soundtrack I, writing, can you? Yeah, in film scoring and composition and everything that goes with it, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, I, I came a different route, so I kind of, I suppose, in my teens, you know, grew up playing guitar and drums in guitar bands and garages and, you know, the usual stuff. And then uh, when I was around 17, I discovered kind of DJing and electronic music and put out an album in 2010, which went well for me. And so I kind of spent the best part of a decade and still do, but, uh, you know, performing live, DJing in clubs all over the world and then uh, performing with a kind of a band I put together called Cormac's Big Band, which uh, was largely... Um, at festivals and you know all of that so I kind of you know I suppose around 2017 18 started thinking I would really like to do this you know so um, yeah so that was kind of how I started If Moby has taught us anything Yes Writing soundtracks for TV film and for advertising that's where the big money is Well this is the thing because like a lot of my music would have been sort of before I got into composing for screen would have been kind of, you know, picked up here and there, largely in the States and stuff for use in films as like what we would call a source cue or a commercial song or a needle drop or whatever. So, um, yeah, so it's just kind of gradually, you know, I, I think most musicians would like a crack at it, you know, just because it's another avenue for your music, you know. So I remember listening to Jackson Brown at a live concert say that he was at the movies one day and he said that uh, uh, the movie started and music began to play in the background and he thought to himself, well, I used to play just like that. And then yeah. you realise, that is me. <laughs> Do you know where your music is going to end up? Do you always know what film it's going to be in? Um, when they use your existing stuff, yeah, you'll get asked. You know, they have to kind of seek permission and stuff. And there's a whole legal minefield there to to navigate. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it, where I'm composing the score for for shows, yeah, I'm all over it, you know. How does that work? Because you, there are certain movies, I mean, I think about Christopher Nolan. Is it is it Hans Zimmer who does the work with Christopher Nolan, the... Hans Zimmer I think has done as far as I, I think know think so yeah. and it is so you don't even particularly notice because it's not melodic but the sound profile that he builds it's sure. so intrinsic <laughs> to his movies that you think the two of them must be working hand in glove to yeah. come up with this is that how it works does the director yeah. sit beside you well yeah I mean like I, I would tend to start at script level so kind of as they're shooting or maybe when they're just sort of in my experience, kind of as they're shooting or when they've just finished shooting and beginning to edit it together, you know, I'd be starting to come up with ideas based on what I've read really before, based on what I've seen, ideally. So, like, I'm working on a show called This Town at the moment for the BBC and that would be, you know, they had literally just shot it and I sort of was engaged at that point. So, so yeah, so I'll be, like, coming up with ideas and, you know, you, you reference kind of that, you know, the two things are linked. So, yeah, like, my job as a 
film composer, let's say, is to kind of create what the world sounds like, you know, so it should, you know, ideally you should be able to close your eyes and go, okay, that's that show or that's that film, in my estimation. Do you look down, therefore, on films that just lift songs? I mean, I think of The Departed and Martin Scorsese. He kept the Rolling Stones in business for I, years. I don't look down on anyone. No, <laughs> no uh, absolutely not. And I, there's, there's an art in that in itself. And again, to refer to the show I'm on at the moment, you know, there's lots of um, <clears throat> what we would call needle drops, you know, existing music, let's say, a Toots and the Maytals track or whatever. And the placement of that can completely redefine how one views a scene you know there's loads of examples of it but you know so I think that's you know um, in as much of it, it's kind of the editing and the music supervision side of the sound department let's say but um, no I, I certainly don't look down on it no, absolutely not Who picks where the music goes? Me no um, so um, it's it's a collaboration so it's um, typically the director and the editor will have an idea you know uh, as they approach each shot or each scene, I should say. Um, and then, you know, um, again, on the one I'm on at the moment, it'll just be a discussion, a back and forth, you know. So, like, I'll write something for, you know, guy goes into a radio studio, I think it should start when he sits down, the director might start, oh, it's when Anton starts talking or whatever, you know. So, again, it's all a, it's all a collaboration, or I think I'd, I think it should be a collaboration, and, you know, it's a lot of back and forth, where it comes in, where it comes in. Because it can have the most radical impact on how you interpret a scene. I mean, I think about the Michael Madsen um, Reservoir Dogs torture yeah, yeah, scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. The music in that totally changes the way you totally. perceive it. And actually, the opposite can happen. I mean, like, two weeks ago, we were we were in an edit, and there was like five or six people in a room, and it was a quite a violent scene where a guy gets beaten up, and it's, it's horrific. And there was kind of temporary music there, and we were discussing what my score should sound like. And someone just said, do you know what? Mute everything and play the scene. And there was no music at all in it. And it was like twice as powerful. You know, so it's, it's, it's as much about, you know, if I suppose I liken it to listening to a guitar solo. You know, a guitar solo could be cool for a minute or two. And if you listen to it for 40 minutes, 40 minutes it loses all its impact, you know. So I think often less can be more in terms of that. Cormac, the gig coming up, National Concert Hall, it is going to be what dates? Yeah, it's Easter Saturday, March the 30th and National Concert Hall will be doing, uh, celebrating 15 years, would you believe it, in music. So it's myself, the Irish Chamber Orchestra and my big band and a load of guests to be announced. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anton. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.